hi everyone welcome back to the podcast happy new year i hope you all had a good new year today uh we are going to talk about is the church really top down or bottom up or both or neither and i have a special guest here to talk with me about it but first this episode of the adventist millennial podcast is sponsored by the haystack the haystack is a voice for young adults in the seventh day adventist church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. So go check them out at thehaystack.org. The Haystack Life Culture Theology. Okay, now that you're all, you've left all your 2018 problems behind, including probably the problem that's been plaguing the GC, right? <laughs> We've all forgotten about it. Well, today we're going to talk about a different adjacent subject. Okay, so my special guest today, hello. Hello. Can you please tell us your name? My name is Alan Weber. And who are you? Well, who am I? I'm over 60, which so by definition means I'm a man of wisdom. (laughs) We'll do a poll at the end of this to see if people agree with that. Okay, so um, have you been following the whole compliance stuff that's been happening in the church lately? Well, yes, I. It, it's kind of been thrust on anybody who's got any investment in Adventist culture. I know a lot of people that have no well, idea. Well, because they're not <laughs> truly invested. If you are from the part of the church that, like, follows Adventist goings-on, then the 2015 GC was a huge big deal. And especially if you're North, North American Division, I think... It's one of the bigger things that's Okay, happened. but we're not talking about ancient history. But so, but that's, I yes, I do. I've been paying attention in 2015. <laughs> well, yeah, 2015 <laughs> is really ancient, all right. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the boat. You're on the Adventist Millennial Podcast, not the Adventist Boomer Podcast. Anyway, the whole point is, I yes, I think even been... millennials were alive in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how many of us were paying attention to, to, or pay church attention, policy. period. Right, exactly. So basically the point is, briefly summarize your understanding of the whole decision up until now and your opinion about it. Compliance decision was just a panic-stricken reaction to the fact that voting the new WO policy didn't have any effect on changing the, the stance in North American Division. We We want to slay these people, but... We know Adventists wouldn't do that, so what can we do to let them know that they're lost? Is this something you're projecting? Because I don't think any of them would admit that. Yeah, they've come close enough. <laughs> okay. In so, the discussions I see, they're like, it's clear in the Bible, so if you don't get it, then I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so we know your opinion about the compliance document is... a. It, would you say even more fervent than our friend Dan Jackson? <laughs> uh, that was enjoyable little speech, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I even I though he talks would, at like my words my my guess would be that we actually have fairly different stances about it. I don't see any reluctance on his part to quote enforce things that he wants or to keep from propagandizing about 
issues that he believes, which, you know, I'm pretty strong libertarian, so you have a hard time convincing me that an organization has any right to enforce anything or proselytize about anything, so... Okay, that's a little bit of a different discussion. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that yeah. Dan Jackson probably doesn't like it because it goes against his belief about women's ordination. Right, but right. I'm not sure he cares that they set up a compliance committee. He might have thought it was a good idea if, if he thought it of it first. Been, right, if it hadn't been for women's ordination. Okay, um, so did you read the XCOM newsletter with that article about explaining you know all the rebuttals to arguments against them and why this is the best thing to do and all that stuff yeah that was really entertaining wasn't it <laughs> i thought it was um so in that article i remember they said the adventist church isn't the catholic church because the catholic church is top down but we're top down and bottom up and i thought that was a pretty stupid thing to say um do you agree with them do you, do you think the church is top down and bottom up yeah, I think there is a sense in which they're top-down and bottom-up. You know, the Catholic Church has a doctrine that whatever the Pope says is infallible. And I don't think you'd find anyone in the GC making that claim that they should just think up whatever policy they want and then we're all bound by it. So they wouldn't create a compliance committee idea and then enforce it and but they would want us to vote it first and then they would say okay well that's bottom up because you guys the majority of you accept it so policy wise i think they're more top down and bottom up than catholic theology wise but where they i think they get off the track is that totally misses the whole question of are we talking policy here or are we talking mm. theology? If you're talking theology, are you supposed to be top down and bottom up? Or I think most people, theologians in our church would say you're supposed to be sola scriptura, <laughs> which really doesn't have anything to do with a vote. Yeah. Okay. So you and I were talking off the podcast about a recent scenario in your local church that was the conference dictating something to the local church. Can you tell about that situation a little bit? Well, our con our conference had an incident in one of their churches. Uh, I don't know. It's probably been a year and a half ago, maybe. And this new policy is a reaction to the incident. What they've done is contracted with a background check company and they're asking local churches to make all of their I actually haven't seen the church policy so I shouldn't say what they're doing but what I hear from our pastoral staff is that our board members and children's divisions volunteers all are required to get background checks and we're we're required to at our church at least pay for them ourselves so this was a an incident that involved a kid and so then they're like now everyone just background checks everyone mm -hmm. basically yeah when we first heard about it it was going to be every church elected position was going to have to get it but the way our church is actually implementing it and you know they keep saying the conference is telling us to do this it's for our Sabbath school 
children's Sabbath school areas, any um, like adventures, pathfinders, anything that has to do with kids, and the church board is all required to get a background check. So where it intersects with me is that I was on the church board. I'm, I don't have anything to do directly through church with any children. My position on the church board is a officer position because I'm the church clerk. So, and uh, this might not be on the subject of the podcast, but I'm pretty much the world's best church clerk. Well, now have you resigned? <laughs> I yeah, I resigned. When, Why? When they first implemented, they brought this to the church board to approve at our church, because in actually in Adventist church governance the conference can't dictate anything. If you really go by the technicalities of the church manual, policy regarding membership in the Adventist church and volunteering in the Adventist church is the the authority for that is at the local church level. So they had to bring it to the church board. Okay, so the conference didn't actually say you all have to do this, but your church said... where they get where they get their quotes uh, authority from is because they fund the pay of these pastors. So if they say something has to be done, a pastor would have to, you know, be willing to say, "Well, let's see if they'll pay me or not if I don't do it." So and effectively, they are dictating it. They're dictating it. Yeah. But you know, to cross all their T's and dot all their I's, they want a a board resolution at the local church that says this is our stance at this church so during that discussion I told them that you know this was a dumb idea and that I would resign from the board if they passed it well they passed it so now you're trapped so now they're trapped (laughs) they can either enforce it on me or lose Lose the world's best best church clerk (laughs) checkmate (laughs) As soon as I did, I was like, am I just cutting off my own nose? Because I do. I, I like being on the board because I care what's going on at church. I like to have input on into it. I like to know why they think they're doing stuff. And I liked the, the job that I had. So I guess my next question is, why do you hate children? Because they're just doing this. They're just doing this to protect the children. And if you don't want a background check on you, and you're willing to resign over it, you must hate children and want them to be abused. How do you know I hate children? Seems to me like maybe the conference is the one that hates children. Why? How do you figure? Okay, when a new policy comes out, how do you determine if it's a useful policy? If you background people who might abuse children, and then you can't hire them if they fail the background check, then you protected children, so good policy. Yeah, well, what if you background Seventh-day Adventists who are good members in good standing, and you don't find any? Because they have never what did done you anything lose? they were arrested before. What did you lose? Well, you lost a great church clerk, for one thing. <laughs> That's the main <laughs> Every per, every person lost 13 bucks. You know, when I grew up, one of my huge points of rebellion against living in, especially in academy, was the reactionary character of rules that were made. Some kid would do something, 
something new that hadn't been done before. And then a rule would be enforced on the whole student body. Hmm. Interesting. Because uh-huh. I seem to recall when I was a kid, we had a sort of ticket system where no matter who did anything, if someone lost a ticket, everyone lost a ticket. Was that my idea <laughs> or mom? It was implemented in your household. <laughs> well, I had forgotten about that uh, wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if I had to endure the ticket system... <laughs> I guess you have to get a background check. <laughs> well, anyway, so back to the <laughs> back to what we were saying. Um, so, so implementing it on everyone just because of that one incident, you feel, is an overreaction. Well, it's an overreaction, but it what what I think the danger is is that if it's not really keeping kids safe but it's making us think we've accomplished something it might keep us from doing something that really is useful i think it's clear probably to most people that making the church clerk get a background check is probably not going to make the kids any safer if there's no interaction with any kids people who think they're they're doing something for the kids what they'll do is use an example of the church where it happened and say that is so uh, horrendous that it doesn't matter what it costs the organization as a whole or other volunteers as individuals those costs could never measure up to the you know the benefit of the possibility of saving one kid from this which is what most people i feel like would say most people who most sympathetic or empathetic people that I've talked to would probably take that attitude. Right, I think so. For me, it seems to if you really want to be effective in protecting the kids, let's go really extreme. You should have a whole group of volunteer kid deacons that if you don't trust guardian angels, we should be their guardian angels and somebody should be with each kid all the time that they're at church. Did you suggest that? Maybe they'd go for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so... No, they, what they want to do is just right. make some rule so and your then problem, say, you know, we've taken care of the issue. So your problem really is that nobody is being completely transparent about why they're doing it. Um, the real reason... I mean, I've been in conversations about the possibility of implementing background checks in an organization that's not the church. And the reasoning was liability. To protect the organization from liability. Not... If you protect kids, great. But the main reason is to protect against liability. So you are you of the opinion that that's the real reason and they're just saying that is to protect kids? I actually hadn't thought of that until after I had already resigned and I was having a huge argument about this whole thing with my sister-in-law. If they had written a letter to all the churches and said, we've learned from this company that if we that if we use this company to do background checks on all of our volunteers, we can save X number of dollars per year, uh, I probably would have seen a logical connection to that, being a financial person. And I'd, you know, I think there's a, a duty to, to use God's money in the best possible way. So 
if that would lower our cost for liability insurance, that would actually be a reasonable argument for doing this. But I haven't heard anyone that's pushing this want to use that as an argument, and I actually didn't think of it until after I had resigned. The only argument that I've heard is it might discover a, you know, a child molester. But when you falsely pick something like this might make it safer for kids, that just by definition trumps any kind of actual thinking about it. Um, then the question is, what are you hoping to accomplish by resigning? Well, what I actually hoped was to actually start a, a thoughtful conversation with the pastor. I'm good friends with the executive pastor. And he's he admits that he doesn't want to have to struggle with things intellectually. I mean, he's he's a pastor. He likes to feel things. He likes relationship type things. Wow, you just took a huge shot at all pastors. Was that a, it was a <laughs> shot at pastors to say they love people? <laughs> but anyway, so did that happen? Did you start a conversation? Well, you know, I wrote when I wrote the resignation letter back, I got I didn't know what the response would be. I got back a response saying, I'm really sad that you think you need to do this because you're pivotal in the church, really enjoy working with you, but our hands are tied. And so, you know, I have to accept your resignation. So I wrote him back and I actually listed, number one, I don't think your hands are tied. Membership decisions are based in the local church, so the conference can't force you to do that. Number two, you agree with it or you would have presented it completely different than you did in the board. So you want this anyway. Don't try to pass it off on the conference. And then I I listed my reasoning. Number one, if you look at at the way God runs things, the highest value that God holds is personal freedom. So in in what sense can you can you reconcile a policy like this with personal freedom? And people are like, well, I'm not interested in trying to reconcile it because I just want to keep kids safe. But if if you're hearing what I'm saying, the number one thing in the whole universe that God's willing to actually end up giving his own life for is personal freedom but no you're not interested in seeing how it affects the situation we're going to have a hard time talking to each other because if you don't accept that underlying premise then yeah there's no way we're ever going to get anywhere with each other and I listed several other things that we've already been talking about how there it's actually lulling us into not doing things that would actually protect kids. So, um, do you see any sort of mirror image between this and the whole compliance in the across the general conference? I think it's very similar. And my thing is any kind of compliance if you're going to be part of an organization and you know what the organizational policies are, 
then your your choices basically are accept those policies or not be you know if, if part of the policy is you're not part of the organization unless you do this then not be part of the organization in this instance it was you can't be a, a officer elected volunteer then you know my only options are to say yeah I'm willing to follow this policy or give up my volunteer position and I think that's perfectly fine at the organizational level in this in this issue of um, trying to protect the kids that's that's just self-evidently so compassionate that we can't actually think through whether it's a useful thing at the you know at the women's ordination issue we went through a huge big long theological study that we couldn't come to a consensus on so if at the end of that they said okay we can't we can't determine theologically whether we should do this or not let's just vote what we want to do as a policy that would be okay but that's not what happened they presented the vote as being a decision on the theology behind it and those who approve the vote are now castigating people who can't understand that this is a theologically correct position not for being out of policy they're they're talking to them like they're not going to be saved for this okay so would you say would you i mean you kind of made the distinction at the beginning um speculating about dan jackson but I feel like a lot of people that I know would disagree with the compliance issue while agreeing with background checks to protect kids. Do you think that's because people disagree on a theological level with blocking women's ordination, but they don't necessarily disagree with implementing compliance as a general rule? Yeah. I guess that's a a question for all of you listening let us know do you uh, do you agree do you see similarities between compliance from the gc and background checks from ace conference to local churches and if you see differences why uh, if you agree with one and disagree with the other why um let us know what you think are you are you irritated that we that my dad hates children and wants them to be abused as has been accused. <laughs> or uh, what do you guys think? Um, this has been an interesting discussion. And let us know if you were a volunteer who had to be background checked. Would you do it or not? Okay, you can send me your answers at AdventistMillennial at gmail.com or you can send them to me on Instagram or Twitter at SDAMillennial. And share this with all of your friends and relatives who possibly might have to get background checked to continue their place in church, um, in their church office, and see what they think. And let me know. All right. Have a great week. See you next time. Happy New Year.